that song so much. There's so much truth in it. And, and you know what makes it such a good song? One that I've really loved, one, something that's really ministered to me ever since I heard it years ago, is the, the structure of it. If you listen to the words, before you get to the bridge of wonderful, beautiful, glorious, matchless in every way, you have to go through the undoing of yourself. If you listen to the words, to really get in the presence of the Lord, we have to be undone. All of our agendas, our preconceptions of what we want to happen, what we think should happen, it has to go away. It has to go away. We have to be undone. When we are undone, then we are found in His hands, and there is the fullness of joy. And once you do that, then you see it, the wonderful, the beautiful, the glorious, the matchless in every way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is wonderful and beautiful and glorious and matchless and mighty and lovely, merciful, graceful, worthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You have answered our prayers of being with us and showing yourself more fully. Thank you, Lord, for your holy, matchless, amazing presence, for the love that you pour out on us every single day. Hallelujah. Lord, we set the table for you. We say you're welcome here. Spirit, you have free reign to move in this place. To show us what you will. We love you, Lord. We honor you in this place. We gather together in your name, knowing that you're here. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you say amen to that? Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Kaylee. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Well, welcome to Dive, everybody. Glad to, glad to be here again. Um, I guess it's been, what, two weeks since I spoke last? It's a nice little break. But it's good to be back, as always. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, if there's one thing I love doing, it's what I'm called to do. So, what have I got for you guys tonight? Let's, let's dive into this thing. Y'all know, did y'all know dive is my favorite night of the week? Yeah. Have I said that before? Have I, have I said that a couple times before? Maybe once or twice. In, in passing, right. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. He is here. He is here. Two or more. I'd say there are two or more here gathered together in his name, knowing that he is here. He honors when we honor him. Hallelujah. Well, what I've got for you tonight, um, this is going to be a, a one-off message. This isn't, this isn't going to be a series. Um, this will be a standalone. I will be starting a series next week, 
that I'm really excited about. Um, it's a subject that's kind of been in the back of my mind for a while now. Just didn't, I never got released to do it until now. Um, so really excited about that. But right here, I got another, another little something that has also been on the back of my mind for a long time. And you'll notice I got the TVs back. I got the TV back. Um, it's been a while. Uh, but to be honest, I've only got one slide, so y'all don't need to worry. <laughs> y'all, I, I needed something to, I needed something interactive um, that you could see for tonight. But tonight, so this is going to be a little standalone, something that's something, something that's been on my heart for a, a while. It's just I, I struggled a little bit to put it into words, and the reason being is that um, I'm going to talk about something in the Bible that's honestly very confusing, if you understand. It's, this is one of those, one of those topics. It, it doesn't really merit a whole series. It's not a huge subject, um, but it's one of those topics that's, that's just kind of confusing, at least to me, um, because for the, for the longest time, I, I really didn't understand this. And it's not one of those things where if I don't understand it, well, I'm, I'm going to hell or, you know, my life's going to fall apart. It, it's not one of those things. But it is a subject in the Bible that kind of confused me for a while. So tonight, tonight we're going to get spiritual. We're going we're gonna to get spiritual tonight. Let's get spiritual. All right. No, 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 that's the intro slide. That's, that's the title screen. That's the title. That's not my only slide, I promise. Okay, I got two slides if you want to put it that way. Get me on a technicality. Praise the Lord. Okay. So, let's get spiritual is the title of my message tonight. Let's do it. All right, so, let's get spiritual. What do I mean by that? Well, I'm, we're going to talk about spirit tonight. We're going to talk about spirit. Now, spirit, the word spirit, in the, in the original biblical languages, so Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic, the word spirit that we, that we translate to spirit might just be one of the most untranslatable words in the Bible. It is very... It's 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 rich. Yeah. It's it's a very rich word. That in Hebrew, the word that we translate spirit is, and I don't have a Hebrew accent, so bear with me. In Hebrew, the word is ruach. Ruach. You got to put that in there. That, that they do that in the in, in Hebrew. Ruach. In Greek, the word is pneuma. The word for spirit is pneuma. And these, these words that we translate into spirit in the word, they're so densely packed with a meaning that honestly, translating them into just one word in English really doesn't do it justice. But the thing about it is there's no English words for all the meanings we have. That's the problem. That's, that's the issue. And that's really part of the reason I was so confused on this for so long. I was like... I don't know what I'm reading here because we only have one English word for all these things that we're talking about. So, so we're going to talk about spirit tonight. And the word spirit 
in the, in the whole Bible, in the King James version of the Bible, the word spirit is found 505 times. That's a lot. The word spirits, plural, is found 46 times. The word spiritual is found 28 times. The word spiritually is found three times. That's a total of 582 times in the Bible that we find the word spirit and its variations. That's a lot. The Bible talks about this a lot. I mean, there's what, 66 books in the Bible? Somebody who's quick on math, what's, what's 582 divided by 66? Somebody got a calculator? Well, it's a lot anyway. I didn't do the math beforehand. Don't get on me. So we need to know about this. We, we got to know about this because it is a foundational part of us, of the world, of the whole universe that we live in, spirit. And when you break it down, when you, when you study it out, when you break it down, there are four basic meanings of the word spirit in the Bible. And I'm going to talk about all four. And really, for the fourth one, which I'll get to, really for the fourth one, there's really a whole lot of variation in the meaning. There's a lot of nuance. And you really have to take it by a, at a case-by-case basis, depending on the context, depending on what's being talked about, depending on the the subject that's being talked about that's being talked about in a particular passage, you really have to pay attention to really get which one of these four that it's talking about. So we got four different meanings. I, I've for that fourth one, you know, there's a lot of nuance, there's a lot of variation in the meaning. I've simplified it into one because the one that I've simplified it to really does cover all of them if you if you Look at it in a broad sense. So we got four different types of spirit in the Bible, translated in the Bible. So the first one is the Holy Spirit. That's the capital S. That's when you see a capital S in the Bible, at least, at least the King James. That's the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit, that, this is probably the most obvious one. We... We don't really get confused on what this, the capital S spirit means. That's, this one's obvious. It's kind of hard to mess this one up. Now, I've got a few examples just for example's sake, just to show you in the word. Um, now, I could, if you wanted me to, I could break out 582 verses that have the word spirit. You want me to read all those tonight? I could. How, how long would that take? Probably four or five hours just to go through that? Y'all got four or five hours? We can be here till midnight. I don't want to be here till midnight. So I've, I've picked a few examples. So first one is the Holy Spirit. A couple of examples. Actually, the Holy Spirit is the very first time we see the word spirit in the Bible. Can you guess where it is? Genesis 1... Two, the very second verse in the whole Bible, we see the word spirit. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Praise the Lord. Very first time we see that word spirit, ruach in the Greek. It's talking about the Holy Spirit of God. 
Uh, another example that I have is Isaiah. Good old Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 2 said, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of, fear, and of the fear of the Lord. So right there, it's talking about the Holy Spirit, and it, it lists a few, a few aspects of the Holy Spirit. It, we've got wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, the fear of the Lord. We talked about that a lot in the last series. But again, talking about the Holy Spirit, that is the use of that word spirit there. So it's the same word, ruach, ruach, it's the best I can do, y'all. It's the same word used as in these other passages that I'm about to give you. But you, again, you have to take it by a case-by-case basis. Thankfully, the King, at least the King James, I know many more translations do it, capitalize the S. They kind of help us out there a little bit. So we're talking about the Holy Spirit here. Another example is in Ezekiel chapter 39, verse 29, says, Neither will I hide my face any more from them, for I have poured out my spirit upon the house of Israel, says the Lord God. So again, God has poured out his spirit. That is the Holy Spirit of God. That word spirit in this context is talking about God's spirit. God has poured out his spirit. Another example is Joel. Now, this is one we like to quote a lot because it is a significant and mighty promise for us. Joel 2.28. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. God has poured out his spirit on us. The, the completion of that verse came to pass on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2. God poured out his spirit made himself available to all flesh, or made, in other words, made the baptism of the Spirit, that infilling of the Spirit, he made it available to everyone who would ask. Praise the Lord. So it's the Holy Spirit of God talk, talked about in this verse. And the last one I got for this, for this type is um, 1 Corinthians 3.16 that says, Know ye not that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. So the Spirit of God, his house, is us. We're we're the residents. If if you ask the Holy Spirit his address, he'll say you. That's right. No two ways about it. But again, that is one use of that word spirit. It's talking about the Spirit of God. And you'll notice I, I call this one type one up there. These are, this is not a, a, a biblical category. This is something that I did for this message. So if I say type one spirit or whatever, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. So I've got type two and three and four. I did that just for clarity's sake. You're welcome. So type two. So the first type is the Holy Spirit. This is the first type of spirit we see in the Bible. The second type that we see in the word is the human spirit. That's us. We, we are spirits. Everybody in here. If you want to know what you are, you're a spirit. 
We, we drive home here the threefold nature of mankind because it is a significant thing to know because it helps you pinpoint different areas of your life and what you need to adjust, you know. We, we really drive that home. Everybody in here is a spirit. Everybody in here has their own soul, and everybody in here drives this vehicle we call a body so that it makes us able to, to contact the physical world. That's how it works. Everybody in here is a spirit. So the second type of spirit we see in the Bible is the human spirit. That's us. Some examples I have for that. Proverbs twenty twenty seven. when we quote a lot. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. Now, I could go off on a tangent about this, but basically, in short, the spirit of man is how God communicates with us. Spirit-to-spirit communication. The Holy Spirit bears witness in our spirit. That's how God talks to us. Okay? So, type 1 spirit talks to type 2 spirit. That's how communication with God works. Okay? I've got more examples. Daniel 2, 3. And the king said unto them, I have dreamed a dream, and my spirit was troubled to know the dream. Now, this one is really interesting, because this king here in Daniel was not a godly man. He was not a the equivalent of a, of a Jew. He was not the equivalent of like what we would call a Christian. He was just, just a man, just a worldly man. But I find it really interesting that this guy understood the spiritual nature of man. You find that interesting? This was, he was not a godly man. I don't know where we went wrong in society, but I tell you what, it's like wrestling a greased pig trying to drive home that you are a spirit. You would think that it wouldn't be hard to grasp, but my goodness, it sure is. Anybody who's been in ministry at all knows how... I don't get why people get caught up on this so much. It's not difficult to understand. You are a spirit. You live in a body. You have a soul which is your mind and your will, you're a spirit. Even back in these days, even the unbelievers knew that. I, I'm not sure where the culture shifted, but somewhere they messed up, and now nobody wants to accept this. Um, but I'm here to tell you, you are a spirit. Amen. Amen. You are a spirit. And there's a whole teaching on that of why that's important. What are the implications of that? I'm not here to do that. That's for another day. Romans 8:16 The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Again, that's how God communicates with us. He bears witness. It's that little voice inside of you that gives you a red light or a green light or a yes or a no. When somebody bears witness, come on, think of a think of a courtroom. When somebody bears witness, the judge will say, "You see that guy over there?" Is he the guy you saw? The witness will say yes or no. That's how the Holy Spirit communicates with us. That's how he leads us. He will say yes or no. Stop. Go. That's, that's how he does it. He bears witness with our spirit. 
not our mind, not our reasoning, not the tingly sensations in our body, with our spirit. So, another one. Second, uh, sorry, 1 Corinthians 14, 14. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. My spirit prays. And honestly, as much as I, as much as I don't like it, I, I have to give people some grace when they have trouble understanding praying in the spirit, speaking in tongues. I have to give them some grace because I get it it's kind of difficult to grasp when you're a really thinky person, you're a really heady person. I, I get it. Like, it's, 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 it's difficult to grasp because you're trying to logic it out. You can't, you can't do it. Praying in, the, praying in tongues is not something you can, you can work out through logic. It's something that you have to grasp in here. Yeah. You have to grasp it in your spirit. So... The last example I have is one we quote often around here, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, that's W-H-O-L-L-Y, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So right there, it's really cool that he uses the word wholly, in other words, the, the words following indicate this is the whole man, spirit, soul, body. That's the whole man, person, human being. So we are a spirit, and this is the second type of spirit we see in the word. Now, the third type that we see in the word are angels and demons. Angels and demons are called spirits in the word. Just like us, angels and demons are spirits. The only difference is that angels and demons don't have bodies. They don't have physical bodies like we do. Some examples I have. 1 Samuel 28, verse 7, says, Then, Saul, then said Saul unto his servants, Seek me a woman that has a familiar spirit, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, Behold, there is a woman that has a familiar spirit in Endor. Not the, not the Star Wars planet Endor, but... He gets the reference. Yeah. So, first of all, this was a horrible idea. Can I just throw this out there? Like, I know Saul had his issues, but, like, the man straight up said, Hey, guys, go find me a woman that has a demon that I, might, that I can ask it some questions. Like, you, you know, you would think, you would think that, that, that he might second guess himself a little there. Like, hmm, you know, this might not be such a good idea after all. But man, Saul, Saul, man, he had his issues and, well, he paid for them. Um, so a familiar spirit is just a demon. And specifically... Uh, not to not to go off on a tangent, but specifically a familiar spirit is a demon that has become familiar with you or or your family or someone close to you that's and and they impersonate these people that's what a familiar spirit is and in this case, the familiar spirit actually impersonated Samuel 
to Saul. Saul thought it was Samuel, but it was actually this, this familiar spirit that was impersonating him. That's what a familiar spirit is. It's a demon. We don't want to mess with those. You, you, just, you don't want to mess with demons, okay? The second example I have for this type three of spirit is in Ezekiel chapter one. Ezekiel chapter 1 was when, when heaven opened and the, the throne of God literally descended in front of Ezekiel. Man, that must have been a cool sight. But here, the angels are called spirits. It said, wherever the spirit was to go, they went. There was their spirit to go. And the wheels were lifted up over against them, for the spirit of the living creature was in the wheels. Right there, it paints a vivid picture of what these angels looked like or how Ezekiel could comprehend them in, in, in his natural brain. But right here, the angels are called spirits. It's the third type of spirit we see in the word. The next one I have is Mark chapter 1, verse 23. And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out. So again, this is just an example of a demon that was referred to as a spirit. Are you beginning to see why this word can be a little confusing. Wait till I get to the fourth one. Okay. Acts sixteen sixteen, and it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. So there we have this, this demon that had given this girl uh, supposedly the ability to see the future. Um, and these, these people were making money off her, basically. But here this demon is called a spirit, specifically a spirit of divination. And the last one I have for this category is in Ephesians. Ephesians 2, chapter 2. says, Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. So right here, the, actually the prince of the power of the air, that's Satan. So Satan is a spirit. So that's the third type of spirit. Again, same word in English. And actually it's the, it's the same word in, in Hebrew and, and Greek. It's, it's all ruach or, or pneuma. It's really the same word. You just have to take it in context and to figure out what it means. So, so that's the third type of spirit that we see in the Bible. Now, this fourth type, this fourth type is the one that I struggled with. And for a long time, I was like, what does this mean? Because, again, there's not really an English word for it. I mean, I mean, spirit is the English word for it. It's the closest thing that we got. But just recently, not too long ago, I found out that there's actually a German word for it. Get that, right? English doesn't have a word for this, but there, there's actually a German word for it. You want to hear it? The, the German word for this, for this definition is, is zeitgeist. Zeitgeist. I just found this out. Apparently, more, apparently people know this word. I, I think it was because the, it, it's something to do with like the Nazi party. They were big on this, and they were... Something to do with that, um, but I just found out about this word, zeitgeist, and I've got, the defin- I've got a definition for it here. It means the atmosphere 
disposition or mood of a particular time period, location, or group of people. It is a cultural mindset or a certain quality. Zeitgeist. That's what this means. This is the fourth type of the word spirit that we see in the word. Now, somebody please tell me an English word for this because I don't have it. That's why I struggled with this for so long because I literally can't express it in English. Thanks a lot, English. Am I the only one that thinks English is a horrible language? Have you, do y'all remember grammar class, like English class? Man, what were they thinking coming up with English? Can we please go back to Hebrew? Okay, so, so just, for, just for the purposes of this message, I'm going to be using this word tonight. This is really the one I wanted to get to. Type four of the word spirit is zeitgeist. Zeitgeist. So, the, in, from German, the word literally translates to time spirit or world spirit. And the Bible actually uses that phrase. It, the Bible calls this the spirit of the world. In 1 Corinthians 2.12, calls it the spirit of the world. What does that mean? Does that mean the world has, a, has, its, has its own spirit? Or does that mean the world has its own spirit? Or what? No, the world has its own spirit. The spirit of the world. You've heard people say things like having, having school spirit. You know, schools have like a spirit day. Well, they're obviously not talking about this or this. And they're definitely not talking about this. What they mean is this. They're talking about this. It's the, it's the atmosphere. It's the, it's the mood of the of that school. You got school spirit. This is what they mean. And this is what the Bible means in these contexts. I'm going to give you some. You see, you have to, you have to see it like, like it's, it's the atmosphere. It's, it's the disposition of a culture at any given point in time. For the, the United States had a different zeitgeist in the 70s than it did in the, in the 60s. It had a different zeitgeist in the 50s than it did in the 80s. You see what I'm saying? There, there was a different attitude in the culture. There was a different cultural mood. You understand? And I'm, I've got some verses that kind of convey this. Joshua 5.1, And it came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites, which are on the side of Jordan westward, and all the kings of the Canaanites, which were by the sea, they heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan from before the children of Israel until they were passed over, that their heart melted, neither was their spirit in them any more because of the children of Israel. So obviously their, their spirit didn't leave because if their, if their type 2 spirit left, they'd be dead. So what it means is their spirit left them. In other words, their attitude and the atmosphere changed and all of a sudden they were scared because God had delivered Israel. You see, their, their mindset changed, their spirit changed, their zeitgeist changed. 2 Kings 2 verse 9, And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah, Elijah said unto Elisha, 
Ask what I shall do for you before I be taken away from you. And Elisha said, I pray you, let a double portion of your spirit be upon you. Well, obviously, we're not talking about angels or demons. Obviously, he can't put a double portion of this kind of spirit on him. He wanted a double portion of this kind of spirit. Let me have a double portion of your, your attitude, your atmosphere, the mood that follows you. I want double of it. That's what Elisha wanted from Elijah. He wanted his, his spirit, his zeitgeist. Psalms 51.10, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. God, renew in me a right at atmosphere, a right mood, a right, a right mindset. Create in me a right zeitgeist. Proverbs 16.18, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So a haughty spirit, a haughty mindset, having a quality about yourself that is prideful goes before a fall. This is what this means when it talks about spirit. This is the fourth kind. Daniel 6 verse 3 says, Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Because of Daniel's close relationship with God, it created within him an excellent this. A, an atmosphere followed him wherever he went. And that atmosphere was excellent. And that's why he had favor with the king. Hosea 5.4 says, They will not frame their doings to turn unto their God, for the spirit of whoredom is in the midst of them, and they have not known the Lord. Some translations say the spirit of prostitution. This is a, a, an attitude, a mindset that gives themselves to people that they don't belong to. This is what Israel was doing to God. They were giving themselves away to other nations. It was, it was a cultural mindset that was like prostitution among a nation. Zechariah 12.10, and it, yeah, 12.10, and I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for me as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. So God said, I'm going to pour out upon the house of David and Jerusalem a a, a mood, an, an atmosphere, a disposition of grace and supplication. Supplication is just a, just a type of prayer. John four twenty three and 24. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. They that worship him, er, sorry, for the Father seeks such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. When you worship the Father in spirit, you're not coming into church on a Sunday morning and dragging yourself through the worship set. You don't sing the song because they want me to sing the song. 
and we got to get, we got to sing the song. I'm going to sing the song because we got to sing the song. No, we need to worship God in spirit. It, worship is an attitude. It's a mindset. It is a stance that your heart takes. That's, that is true worship. Right, yeah. Yeah. So, 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken, we also believe and therefore speak. That same spirit of faith. If you hang around here long enough, you'll catch that spirit of faith because we got it. Okay? The leadership at this church has got the spirit of faith. This disposition. We're just inclined to it. You're just inclined to faith. That's, that's how we do. That's how, that's how we do around here. We have that spirit of faith. And you, if you hang around us long enough, well, hopefully you'll catch it. Ephesians 1.17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Austin, why do you pray every week that we would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. We already have the Holy Spirit. That's not what I'm praying for. I'm praying for a spirit of wisdom and revelation, an inclination, an attitude, an atmosphere, a mood that brings wisdom and revelation. That's what I pray for every time I get up here over everybody in this room to have a zeitgeist of wisdom and revelation. And last, I got 2 Timothy 1.7. Everybody knows this one. We can quote this one. But God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Okay? God has not given us a spirit of fear. He's not given us a mindset of fear. He's not given us a, a particular mood or atmosphere of, of, of fear. The one that he has given us is power and love and a sound mind. So that's the fourth kind of spirit we see in the Bible. Simplified, of course. There's, there's nuances in, in, in this definition. But one thing you'll notice that's really interesting is that there's a lot of overlap in these definitions, especially, especially between these three. There's, there's a lot of overlap for instance, the one we just read, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. You read some of these and you'll say, wait a minute, it kind of means both, doesn't it? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it wouldn't be wrong to say that. Yeah. Because it, it just depends on how you read it. You, you can read it both. God is not, for instance, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power love, and a sound mind. Or God has not given us a spirit that is fearful, but one that is powerful and loving and sound of mind. See, there, there's, there's overlap in these. There's, there's a lot of overlap, but why is it important? Okay, that's, that's the big question. Why, why is this important? Well, first of all, it's in the Word. I mean, that really should be the primary reason you think it's important because it's in the Word. Therefore, it's a fundamental part of the reality we're living. But for another reason, knowing this can help you discern the nature 
of different situations and how to deal with them, right? Because, because not every situation happens because of an because of a evil spirit. Some situations happen just because of this, just because somebody got a nasty spirit about them. And it may not be caused by an evil spirit, it's just kind of the way they are, the way, or the way they allow themselves to be. So knowing this, it helps you discern situations. It helps you understand things a little better. Man, I got to hurry up. What happened? Luke 9.55 is a great example of this. Jesus turned and rebuked them. So context, the disciples had asked the Lord, Lord, shall we, should we call down fire on these people that rejected you? And, and Jesus turned to him and rebuked them. He said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. You don't know what manner of spirit you're walking in. Now, one thing that you have to understand in that is that kind of, kind of what I just said, spirits can cause spirits. Type 3 spirits can cause type 4 spirits. Because there are many situations where somebody's just got a nasty spirit about them and it is caused by an evil spirit that is oppressing them. We've had plenty to come to our church. I mean, come on. Every day I encounter something like this. You know, I, I go all over town with my job. I got some examples here. Mark 9, 17. One of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto you my son, which has a dumb spirit. So obviously this boy had a demon in him. And this demon's quality was that it, it, it was a dumb spirit. And in verse 25, Jesus uh, says, When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, You deaf and dumb spirit, I charge you, come out of him and enter no more into him. So Jesus called this spirit a deaf and a dumb spirit. And it's really interesting that this deaf and dumb spirit caused this boy to be deaf and dumb. Isn't that interesting? So the deaf and dumb spirit caused a spirit of deafness and dumbness on this boy. Isn't that interesting? Luke 13, 11 is another example. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. This woman, there was a, there was a demon physically, physically residing in her that had caused her to bow over and not be able to straighten herself for 18 years. And it's called a spirit of infirmity. And this spirit, Spirit of infirmity caused a spirit of infirmity in this woman. Huh. Acts 16, 16, I've got another example. And it came to pass as we went to prayer, I just read this one, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. So this spirit of divination, it created in this girl this this mindset that she could tell the future. 
And, you know, I'm not sure demons can tell the future future, but demons can be a lot more places than we can. You know, they're not bound by physical bodies. They have the capacity to take in more information than us at a faster rate. So, you know, maybe he, he, this demon was tricking them by just, by just knowing certain things that normal people wouldn't be able to know. You know, you can get into the weeds on that and get into a whole discussion. But the bottom line is this divination spirit created in this girl a spirit of divination. So, so that's really interesting that demons can create in people certain zeitgeist. But it's not limited to individual people. Did you know, this may blow some of your minds, did you know that demons rule over geographical locations? Did you know that? Demons are territorial. And there's plenty of evidence in Scripture to support this. Daniel 10 is a great one. Daniel chapter 10, verse 12 and 13. Then he said unto me, so, so Gabriel came to visit Daniel after, he, after Daniel had prayed to God. And then, then said Gabriel unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you did set your heart to understand and to chasten yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I am come for your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. So Daniel prayed a prayer to God, and the answer didn't come till 21 days later. And Gabriel tells him, listen, we heard you from day one, but we were were withstood. There was opposition against us. This evil spirit that was presiding over the kingdom of Babylon, who is, he calls him this, this prince of Persia, not the movie, okay? This, this, this demon was presiding over Babylon. He was ruling over Babylon in the spiritual realm. Babylon was not a good place. Babylon was a very wicked and evil place. And I wonder if it wasn't this causing this. Ezekiel 28 is another example. I won't read it. It's a little lengthy. But Ezekiel 28, in the preceding chapters, we see that, you know, 26, 27, we see that Ezekiel is prophesying against the king of Tyre, like the actual person, the king of Tyre. In 28, he switches gears. He still referring to him as the king of Tyre, but it's very obvious that he's talking about an evil spirit. Go read it. I don't have time to right now. So there are spiritual counterparts that rule over physical locations in the world. Ephesians 1.21 refers to principalities and powers, mights and dominions, and names that are named not only in this world, but also in that to come. Ephesians 6.12 talks about how we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You remember this? 
but against what? Principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. This is the reason that some places just are the way that they are. (coughs) Silicon Valley. (coughs) Because there are literal spirits causing the spirit of that place to be that way. I've walked into places and no one said anything. I didn't see anything weird. But you just walk into a place and you just feel nasty. You ever done that? It's because of this. It's got a nasty spirit about it. Just just a bad spirit about it. And more often than not, it's caused by that. It's caused by that that evil spirit creating in that place a, a nasty zeitgeist. Just a nasty spirit about it. And you know, there's good news though. It doesn't just apply to demons. It also applies to angels too. So Hebrews 1.14, for instance, says about angels, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Angels minister to us. They ministered to Jesus when he was in the desert. Matthew 4.11 says, then the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Well, what do angels minister? I mean, angels don't minister the gospel. That, that, that charge was given to us. Angels don't minister the gospel. What do angels minister? I'll tell you a story. I, I know of a minister one time. He was speaking to us, to a group of us. And this minister, he, he walked very heavily in the, in the prophetic. He, he, had, he regularly had open visions and, and spoke out words of prophecy. And he told a story one time about this one time he was ministering. And, and all of a sudden, he had an open vision. And, and, you know, an open vision is just when you, when you can see into the spiritual realm. And to his right and to his left, he saw two big angels. And, and he just discerned in his, in his spirit that these angels were named goodness and mercy. And it brought him back to the 23rd Psalm. Surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And he said, as he was speaking, when he would give a word, these angels would go out into the congregation and literally drop revelation on people. They would literally drop goodness and mercy on these people. That's the way that angels minister to us. They, They deliver goodness to us. They deliver things to us from God. They're heaven's mail service. All right? Straight from, straight from the Father. He sends angels out to minister on our behalf. So the point is, spirits want you to be like them. Okay? Angels want you to be like God. It's their purpose. They minister those things to us. Evil spirits want you to be like them. A dumb spirit wants you to be dumb. Uh, A spirit of poverty wants you to be in poverty. That's why poverty is more than just how much is in your bank account. Poverty is a mindset. So so spirits, their their goal is to create in us this this zeitgeist, this, this type of spirit in us. And you know what? I think I said it earlier, but I'll say it again. A lot of the time... 
And I, don't ask me to put a percentage on it. I'm not going to. I probably couldn't. This is what I see in the Word, and this is what I've seen in, throughout my life. A lot of the time, this is directly caused by this. That's just a blanket statement. A lot of the time. Not every time, but a lot of the time. Type 4 is usually caused by type 3. Why is that significant to us? Because guess who has authority over type 3? Amen. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you know, it takes me back to the beginning. It takes me back to type 1. What is type 1? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's goal is to create this in you. That's, that's the reason we pursue him. It's the reason we let him have a voice in our life. Because the more we have of this, the more like this, this becomes. The more like him, our zeitgeist becomes. Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. The fruit of this, being in this, is this. We need to be people that yield to that inclination that the Holy Spirit gives us. He, he desires to create in us a mindset, an attitude, a spiritual mood that is like him. You know, having a bad, ha- having a bad this, a bad zeitgeist, a bad spirit is really dangerous because it's more than a personality, this, this zeitgeist. A personality is all up here. A personality is all, is all nurture, no nature. Uh, the personality is how you have developed as a person. A, a spirit goes deeper than that. It, it, permeates, it permeates you as a person because it's spiritual. And the spiritual supersedes the natural. So having a bad spirit is so dangerous. I mean, it, it kind of makes, it, 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 it grieves me so much when I see people who have, who have a bad spirit, whether or not it's caused by this or not, that doesn't matter. It, it kind of makes me sad, you know, because I just, my heart goes out to them. I'm like, you could be so much better. Amen. Like, man, you, you don't realize what you're doing to yourself. Like, you are harming yourself on a spiritual level when you have a, when you have a bad type four. You, you are hurting yourself inside. And it just grieves my heart, man. But, but our goal around here is to have this type one influence the type two to have a good type three. And it's type four. And to rebuke the type three that tries to create this type four. And allow the ministering spirits to create in us a good type four. Have I broken this down okay? Yes. Okay. So, next time you walk into a joint and you're like, ugh, this place is nasty inside. Not physically, but you just, you just sense it. Or you're around somebody and you're just like, 
They're so off-putting. You can't pinpoint exactly what it is. Well, now you know. Now you know what it is, all right? Praise the Lord. Hopefully I've taught you something tonight. I'm done. That's the message. So we can wrap it up right there. Let's pray, shall we?